Hello, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Um, it is, well, we're recording this podcast on Wednesday, the 26th of November. We will be making it live on Friday, the 28th of November. So you're probably listening to it either Friday, the 28th of November or Saturday, the 29th of November. Either way, we are coming to you from Sydney, Australia, downtown Sydney, Australia. We're now in the new managed Flutter slash Mellon Media offices, two sister companies. We're looking out um, into the, the beautiful Sydney sky. Um, it's been a wonderful summer so far, or sorry, spring. 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 I'm not, I'm not used to it because um, in South Africa, summer started a bit earlier. In November, it was already quite hot, October, November. So we felt summer early. So I've never mm. quite gotten used to the Australian thing that summer is December. In South Africa, where I grew up, summer that was sort of October, November was already well into summer. Yeah, and I think um, the, the spring here is a bit of a teaser because you're all like, yeah, it's, it's summer. And, and then the next day it's pouring down with rain. And you're like, oh, damn, it's, it's really not summer yet. Yeah. So um, anyway, it's it's episode 51 of the It's a Monkey podcast. And if you haven't listened to it um, uh, yet, the previous episode, episode 50, was a new special with James Peter, Charles Mathieu, two of the managed Flutter developers, but both super smart guys. And we teased apart some news stories and um, we had a nice solid hour of news because we never get to sort of really explore the news so much because we have interviews, um, you know, which we like, but they, they take us away from the news. So log on to itsamonkey.com and we uh, and you can listen to the episode 50 special. Um, today, it's myself, Kevin Garber, CEO and co-founder of Manage Flitter. And with me as the co-host today is Chelsea Plowright, who is the senior account manager, do I have that right? Yes. Of Mellon Media. <laughs> so Chelsea basically runs Mellon Media, which is a Sydney-based web development and email marketing company. Um, and um, Chelsea started as an intern a couple of years ago, and now she sort of runs the joint. So, um, yeah. It's good fun. I've really enjoyed the ride. Yeah. Well, ho- hold on. It's uh, It ain't over yet. <laughs> it's just started. I haven't gotten to the top yet. Uh, I, I often find when I'm chatting and I'm networking and speaking to friends, I said, oh, so h- how long have you been there? And I said, oh, well, I started as an intern and now I'm a senior account manager. Oh, that's pretty cool. And I said, well, what do you do? And I think I find it really, really hard to explain exactly what I specifically do. And I think their eyes start to trail off when I go into detail. I just I, Sometimes I should just say I'm a senior account manager. Yeah, it's um, same with IME people. Uh, often I just say, oh, I'll just, you know, work at a web development company. If they're not in the industry, it's, you know, I met someone once and um, she was really adamant. She was like, you know, I'm, I'm not an idiot. Tell me exactly what you do. I, you know, I, she's like, I, I'm comfortable with a computer. I use Word and everything. You know? <laughs> so I sort of got, I got a bit annoyed. I have to be honest. So I sort of, you know, I said, well, you know, we're a specialist um, Twitter platform that leverages the Twitter API through back end and front end. And, through, and I sort of hyped it up a little bit, right. you know. Right. And she looked at me and she said, okay. Fair enough. I don't understand that. <laughs> yeah, you, you've lost me. Mm-hmm. Yep, thanks. She just somehow didn't have a sense. Um, anyway, that was a little bit nasty of me. But um, so it's Chelsea and myself. We're going to be co-hosting episode 51. We've got a great show lined up for you, as always. Um, Chelsea did a terrific interview with the CEO of Sun Saluta, which is a terrific company started up by a, a, a young, very smart entrepreneur. And we'll get to that interview a little bit later in the show. Um, but as always, we're starting with some news. Um, Chelsea, as, uh, as it often happens, we will end up talking a lot about all the social media platforms. Um, actually, someone left a comment on the It's a Monkey podcast site, itsamonkey.com, um, saying, hey, you guys should talk about um, that Facebook is looking at getting creating a an enterprise a business version of itself i.e um, to compete with linkedin yammer um, you know all those sort of corporate type um, products and i think it's i think it's quite smart because a lot of people in any case during their work day on facebook in any case exactly they um, busy with groups. They're talking to their friends. It's been, you know, it's become. I think in most companies these days, they don't really stress about 
um, you know, people being on Facebook. I mean, mm. they can ban it in the company, but you can still then use it on your phone. Mm. So it's sort of pointless. You really have to trust people that they know what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, and, and let them do their thing. Look, there's an argument around, you know, if you're going to start banning sites like that, and particularly in government, um, if you're working for and with the, under the realm of the government, they don't allow you on, on YouTube. Um, I know in hospitals, they won't allow YouTube, they won't allow Google access. And I think... And maybe that's for other particular reasons. They won't allow Google access. Yeah, they, because if you're in, uh, and I got this from, I used to live with um, a radiotherapist and they didn't allow Google access because I don't believe they wanted you to Google things. Um, not sure. That's, uh, that, that really sounds crazy. So is a radiotherapist someone who's on the radio and gives therapy? We're going to go back into 99 FM. I, songs. I, I think... Um, I'd love to do that job, yeah. sort of like Fraser, people calling up with their life, you know. And the good thing is it's not like being a real-life shrink. You can just cut them off if it gets <laughs> too it gets hard. Um, okay, so can't help you anymore. Thanks, Bye. Thanks, thanks for calling in. Uh, have, have a good one. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, look, I mean, I have heard some strange policies over the years and – I, you know, I can understand as a as a as a manager and a, and a founder, um, you, you know, you do feel that 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 some processes and some policy is important, and you're always trying to find that line. Um, and I, I know, um, you know, someone who prefers the policy at their workplace of no YouTube and no Facebook because he feels that that puts pressure on him, the right type of pressure, not to waste time. So he likes it. He's like, well, I know I'm not allowed YouTube. I know I'm not allowed Facebook. I know I'm not going to waste time. If I was allowed it, I'd be hanging out on there. So he likes the policy. Mm. So, you know, there's always there's always a few different... Um, yeah, I think it's very dependent on the industry that you work in, the role that you're in. Um, I mean, for myself, when I'm networking, um, I can leverage off Facebook and I can leverage off LinkedIn and... Um, you know, maybe not so much, obviously, Instagram and things like that. But that's not relative to my job. But I don't find I don't find I'm on Facebook. And the only time I use Facebook is on when I'm on my phone, and that's when I'm getting pings through my friends and my family. Um, if you're on Facebook, well, my theory is if you're spending half the day surfing the internet on Facebook, you're obviously not in a role where you're motivated, or you're in a role where you, you obviously don't have enough work um, or, you know, some, something's going on specific Ooh, to the well, I role. Think, I think probably during the day, um, if anything, people use Facebook chat. And there is research that shows that if you can chat to your friends and family um, sporadically during the day, it actually helps productivity. Mm. So um, this, this, this research first came out when our email became a thing in the corporate world. And a lot of people became uh, worried that you know people were able to email their friends during the day you know <laughs> and yeah and they were and they were like well you know spending your day emailing your friend and then some research came out and said look the fact that these people are stuck in their cubicles and they're able to mm -hmm. reach out to their significant others or their friends it actually sort of it's it provides them a bit of comfort it provides them a bit of companionship and actually creates sustainability Absolutely. So, um, you know, so I think Facebook chat does that a little bit. Mm. Um, but anyway, Facebook is, is, it's not, they haven't announced this officially. This was the Financial Times that says Facebook is secretly working on a new website called Facebook at Work to get a foothold in the office that will see the social network of more than 1 billion people compete directly with Google, Microsoft, and LinkedIn. Um, Facebook had no comment. So um it's not it's not official yet so they they're still in stealth mode so it'll be interesting to see and as i've long been on record saying that linkedin um has had it very very lucky um mm. I, I don't think it is the best execution in the world of of their idea and i think um you know there's it's ripe for the picking it's it's okay their ui is not fantastic they they've had issues with um responsiveness in the site in the past they have improved that a lot um and but facebook is certainly a much a much easier product if i was linkedin i would be a little bit worried um and um yeah i mean we internally we use yammer and um would we sw switch over to something? I mean, I, I don't know. Um, mm. Probably unlikely. Mm. Um, I'd, I'd like. I'd be interested to see whether Facebook um, has a sort of open invitation. You can communicate with whoever you like, um, or there are restrictions in place, like there are on LinkedIn. Um, on 
Facebook, within just the social network, you can essentially add whoever you want, but there are some restrictions in LinkedIn where you can't just add someone if you don't necessarily know them or have worked with them in the past. Yeah, and look, there has been traditionally the separation that Facebook is very much the social and, um, you know, LinkedIn very much the work. And um, But, you know, uh, I've been very impressed with Facebook um, and Mark Zuckerberg. They clearly, they've, t- they, they've been fantastic at a lot of what they do. Mm. The way they've handled acquisitions, the way they've handled product iterations, um, they, they've, they've really... Uh, you know, and the disclaimer is that I am a Facebook shareholder, so it's in my interest to say good things about them to prop up the share price. But um, because everyone listens to the podcast, well, in funnily the world. enough, <laughs> look, funnily enough, um, the, your previous podcast that we did has got a nice little notch of uh, we track the the stats on every podcast, we can see them, and and there's a nice little spike on your podcast. So I don't know, I don't know where it's come Woo! from. So if you're listening, make sure that um, you share this podcast and ensure I keep on I'm making it on the show. Yeah, if, if these stats keep on spiking, we'll, um, you know, we'll keep on dragging you in as the co-host. Sounds good to me. Um, so, yeah, if you are listening, we do love feedback. Email us, podcast.editormonkey.com. Tweet us at monkeypodcast. Find us on Facebook. Tell your friends. Um, we enjoy doing the show. We know you're listening. We see the stats and the downloads and and everything. And a special thank you if you're listening as a managed Flutter user. Um, you know, thanks for all the support. And we're going to be hitting three million users one of these days. So it's cause for another celebration. Yeah, uh, we spoke about this. I think in the last podcast about <laughs> your video. Google, oh, yeah. If, you, if uh, you didn't listen to the last podcast, Chelsea helped out with the um, 2 million user video and she was the starring role. So I got, hop onto YouTube and just type in Manage Flutter 2 million users um, and um, you'll, you'll see we put together a fun video. I think the next party, I think the 3 million user party, I think will be in New York, I think. Yeah, that would, that would be fitting. I mean, the majority of our users are based in New York in the States. and Yeah, we're East Coast and West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a lot on the West Coast as well. But, um, yeah, if you're in New York and um, you want to be part of the, the special 3 million user celebration or if you, work for, an, yeah, or if you work for an interesting company in New York, um, it will be, be really good to have it there. Anyway, let's see what happens with Facebook. Their share price is doing nicely. I think it's about 75 or so. And what was the initial? Right? Look, I think the lowest it came down to was about 17 or 19. I think it listed, I can't remember, 22, 23. Um, but it's, it's, so it's doing nicely. Yeah, great. Congrats. So it's doing nicely. Oh, look, I've got a, I've got a, a small amount. It's uh, nothing that's going to allow me to retire on Bora Bora, unfortunately. <laughs> Had you known the way that it went, would you, you obviously... Oh, Hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Yeah, always twenty twenty. But everyone, even at the time, a lot of my friends were doing by Facebook. It's it's rubbish. It's just trendy. I think this is this is a method to just rub it in the face of those. I do. Don't worry. (laughs) So have you listened to fifty one of the podcast? (laughs) Yeah, we we talk about Facebook. Um, Yeah. Anyway, you know, everyone's got an opinion, and I've long learnt in life be very patient with people's opinions. And, you know, but be very careful whose opinions you actually take and back yourself, you know. So um, there's certain people that I'll always take their, their opinions, but a lot of people um, don't really know any better than you, but talk as if they do, mm. you know. So, um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe I give people a lot of <laughs> advice that they ignore <laughs> <laughs> as well. So, give and take, I say, give and take. Yeah. Okay, um, so that's Facebook. We'll, as always, we put these links up on the show notes um, so you can have a look out there. Also, if you look at the show notes, you can leave a comment um, about the show. Feel free to leave a comment about the show in the show notes. It's a monkey.com forward slash latest. Takes you to the, to the episode direct. Second story, introducing Twitter offers. Interesting feature that Twitter has released, something called Twitter offers, which is sort of like a coupon via twitter quite interesting so you can say get a promoted tweet and we'll use the the quintessential starbucks as an example you'll get a promoted tweet for starbucks that will say that says five dollars you know i don't know one dollar off your next drink at starbucks 
So what the example that we have here is get $2 cash back when spending $5 or more. What I'd like to know is how do they recognize that you've spent money at Starbucks? It's all via your credit card. So it has to be... the numbers on your card. Yeah, so it has to be via credit card. So if you then click on the offer, you have to put in your credit card and I assume you'll only have to do this once. So once Twitter have your credit card details, they've got your credit card details there. And then when you go to Starbucks, they the, the person at the, at the desk, yourself... No one has to even know about it. If you've registered, if you've clicked on that offer, once you pay for it by your credit card in a couple of days, so you'll pay the full price, and in a couple of days, you get the rebate back. Mm. So I think that's a really nifty service because part of the problem with coupons and special offers is that they, you know, you have to take things and talk to people and they don't know them, there's conflicts, and it, and it gets it gets sort of clunky really mm. quickly and they mm. expire. And it, this is, you it's click. almost like they've created an app, a new app within itself, right? Like exactly. So you just click on it. And then if you use that credit card, no one has to know anything about it. It's all done on the back end and you receive. Um, uh, so I, quite, I think it's quite, uh, quite nifty. My question is, is um, and I know there's always going to be these people that throw stones and sit back and criticize, but what actually happens when you lose your phone or someone has your phone and they're like, hey, you just bought something off your, your Twitter application? Well, I mean, you know, you're probably phone. taken thought into. Yeah, I mean, you probably will be need to access your Twitter account and you know change the password. If you change the password, it, it will. Yeah. It will yeah. Do it. But I mean, I mean, you you should you should have a lock on your phone always. I mean, I mm. assume most people mm. do. Yeah. Do you have a password on your phone? I do, but it's it's really easy. <laughs> Now you've just told the world. Well, I do have a fingerprint scanner too. So unless someone wants to copy my fingerprint, I don't think there's going to be much luck in in getting through. Actually, I wonder if there's an option just to have your fingerprint. Isn't there a system where you have like an RFD, um, like wristband or something? So if you you don't have the wristband on your watch, even if you type in the password, it doesn't unlock your phone. Ah, I haven't heard of that before. So you just keep it on your your wrist like a jawbone. Mm. And if you're in range, it's you can unlock it so it's a, it's a two-factor auth right yeah so you have to put in the password but you also have to have the um the device i want as and i'm sure this will happen very soon i mean i'm talking maybe 10 years i don't want to hot to walk around with a phone i don't want to walk around with my keys and i don't want to walk around with my wallet because i lose all three and my glasses so i'd like just to all wait till you have kids and you're going to be lose, losing them as well yeah i'm going to be like i'm going to get i can't get angry at them when they lose their stuff when they're you know when you're a kid you lose everything it's like i'm just going to have to empathize and say look i've been there when I was growing up in South Africa, kids would get regularly lost on the beach. Like you would regularly hear, just like, we have a little girl. She's wearing a pink bikini and she's got ribbons in her hair. And uh, and regular, I don't know what it was, but there was just. I mean, I remember I got lost once and I landed up at the lifeguard's house and got an image of my father coming through straight from the ocean, dripping wet and coming to collect me. So. <laughs> you would have been the cutest kid. And in, um, in Argentina, where I, I visited once when I was very young, when a, a, it was a little bit less sophisticated at the time, when a kid got lost, a whole group of pe- people would sort of, you know, help the kids around the kid and they'd start clapping. What? They would just start clapping to get attention. Um, yeah, I don't know if they still do that, you know. So it's a very interesting cultural thing. Yeah, very interesting. So, um, yeah, but um, it's I think I think for you, Chelsea, in a few years, the the solution's quite easy. You'll have an assistant that will carry your phone, your keys, your wallet. Uh, I <laughs> don't just, know. Just on a little gold, a little gold, a little gold platter. Yeah. You know, walking around and just you know, and just yeah, picking that. picking up after me. But well, apparently Kanye West or one of these famous rappers has got an advance party, a sort of like the president and if Kanye's off to um you know off to do a gig in Tel Aviv or whatever his advance party goes there a few days earlier and lays out his clothes and his sunglasses and sets up the hotel room just how he likes it and he comes in there and it's all done wow yeah I mean he's probably one of the richest celebrities in the world Oh, he's probably got the money, you know, and yeah. he's giving jobs and I mean, yeah. good good for him. I mean, Imagine if you had sunglass, sunglass layer on your CV and you essentially just had to tell people, yeah, I was, I guess you'd probably just be labeled a PA or something like that. Yeah, but anyway, we, uh, 
we don't have those indulgences. But that's that's Twitter offers. Um, it's only um, being rolled out at the moment in the US with select merchants, but no doubt um, it's going to be available um, to everyone soon. And the nice thing is it's offline and online, so you can create these offers and even both. So you could be an e-commerce store like Shoes of Prey, which is mm. a famous Australian um, bespoke shoes store, online store, but they also now have presence in some department stores. So they could have this offer and it doesn't really matter where you buy it. It just comes through the system. So mm. 90% of retail still happens in the real world. So there's only 10% online. Is that right? Yep. According to, um, according to one of these articles I read here um, in the U.S. And I assume it's U.S. stats. Because I thought it was really... Um like the on, uh, sorry, the in-store retail was just diminished, primarily due to online. Look, it's increased shopping. a lot. I mean, a few years ago, it was only two, three percent. I remember about ten mm-hmm. years ago. So, um, look, it's only going to get bigger. But yeah. yeah, no, it's still it's still a big, big deal. I mean, you got to think of all the food that gets bought, all the clothes. You know, a lot of people, uh, the chunk chunky volumes still go through. Um, offline so yeah. it's it's a big deal so um hopefully they'll roll this out into different countries although they have taken twitter have taken a little while like you know their ad product they only rolled out in australia over the last couple months and uh, and it's been around in the u.s the self-served ads platform um, has been around in the u.s gosh probably for about two years or so yeah. they, they took they took quite a while yeah um so um we'll We'll see how long that they take. Of course, Twitter, Twitter's having a little bit more tumultuous times than Facebook. A lot of executive changes, which we spoke about in uh, episode fifty-one. <laughs> a lot of messages being publicly shared when they're not yeah, supposed to. Yeah, you see that, that little slip up. The the Twitter CFO. Oh man, I couldn't think of anything worse. He he accidentally. Your own platform. <laughs> he he accidentally tweeted a message instead of sending it by, via DM about an acquisition. I think it's time they they just kill this DM feature. I don't well, know. Well, they're building it out. They're actually going the opposite way. They're building it out. Maybe what they should do is they should kill it and release a new, a new version yeah. from this from scratch. It's, I mean, using Twitter, I just find that all I get is spam and DM. Yeah. Everything is ninety five percent of spam. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's always been a pain. I mean, from the very very early days, I was involved with Twitter. Uh, you know, some of the big names at the time on Twitter, like Jason Calacanis, he would always just scream and yell at people that said don't dm me i hate dms you know it's just uh, twitter the 140 characters works well in the public forum somehow in dms it's a pain Mm. um but um look i I still think it's an amazing product i still think they are smart people they're making a lot of money it's still very much the nervous system of the media of the internet um Mm. you know and that's why um you know manage flitter um, definitely, um, our market's growing the whole time, and people just using it to get, you know, more value out of it. Yeah. And and um, if you haven't tried Manage Flitter, this is a plug. Give it a go. It will help you get all sorts of insights into your Twitter account. Um, very mature platform, so it's very stable. And um, tell yeah. us you heard about it on the podcast. Yeah, I mean. Um I have I love I love managed but I've actually been working with a photographer with the SEO and I thought how am I going to drive traffic to their website so use managed Flitter to find all the people that um, have recently tweeted about photography follow them and then um, they've been clicking on the links within the website so I've been getting a lot of traffic so well, all fa- sorts of users do you know um, the wine entrepreneur and SEO guru Gary Vanacek Vanacek Ooh, um, no. I, I th- I'm not exa- she's exactly sure how you pronounce his surname. Let me just try um, see if I can get his pronunciation right. Anyway, he's, be, he's very famous for being um, for being an, uh, very successful at um, everything that he's done. He inherited a wine company, yeah, Gary Vanachuk. Um, and I, apologies if uh, I don't get that name correct. Anyway, he published an article that we can talk about quickly that he st- says uh, Twitter is um, the best social network for marketing. He published this yesterday. Um, I haven't read it 
in detail, but he says it's it's still the best platform mm. for marketing. Is this um, globally or US? Okay, let's see what he says. I'm bringing up the article now. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk shares the keys to Twitter success. Um, I'll 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 put a link up to the uh, put a link up to the article. I haven't um I haven't actually I haven't read it yet and I don't want to don't want to get some of the details wrong. But yeah, Twitter is Twitter's a unique platform. I mean, I think Instagram is very up and coming and um I think if Twitter aren't careful, mm. Instagram's very very powerful and particularly among certain segments and demographics, it seems to seems to really be matching Twitter because yeah. It, 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 it's got that sort of short form feel to it. Um, I personally, what I, what I don't like about Instagram is, is you're sort of forced into a very specific view of the feed. You know, Twitter, I can sort of have lists and I can sort of uh, click on and see who I'm following a lot easier and just search for things easier. Instagram just seems to be a lot more linear. Sort mm. of all I can see is it's not that easy to to sort of surf yeah. around my feed. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to be able to see some segmenting in Instagram, particularly with close friends, family, followers, um, your favorite accounts. It'd be just nice to cut through all the um, the noise and get a bit of a high signal feed. Yeah, uh, and they've, they've just started advertising on Instagram. Um, my f- I saw my first ad, which was a McDonald's ad, which is not... How fitting. It's not very well targeted. The other day, McDonald's was offering free... Um, hamburgers. Free hamburgers or, or um, steak sandwiches or something at the harbour down in the water in Sydney. And, um, and <laughs> the, the woman that she came up to me and she's like, would you like a free... And she could see that... I she sensed somehow that I was a hippy-dippy sort, you know, and she sort of half was expecting this response. And I said... I am so vegetarian, it's not even funny. And she just burst out laughing and she was like, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I love that response. It's brilliant. Yeah, so, um, um, so yeah, anyway, their targeting was way off because if you just f- see any of the accounts that I follow on uh, Twitter, some of these, uh, you know, animal rights activists, etc., you'll see that um, McDonald's is not, you know, but... Um, that's a whole other discussion. Anyway, um, why don't we take a short break and um, then we're going to come to your interview with um, Eden Full, who's the founder of Sun Salute, a very interesting company um, you know, addressing the energy problems, clean water problems, um, etc. Um, you know, my, my, um, just before we go to the break, um, my cousin in South Africa is a very successful um, medical professional he runs a casualty unit in Johannesburg and we used to have I, I like a good debate as you've probably noticed Chelsea nice robust controversial debate and yep. um, when he was studying at university he was studying medicine and I don't know I was I, we were talking about you know rural communities in South Africa and they got no access to healthcare, and I was just I can't remember exactly what the debate was but he said to me you know Kevin you know what would help so much more than health care for, for these people in these rural areas, he says, is clean water. Really? He said what they need is engineers. They don't need doctors. Mm. He said the clean water will Solve fix all the, all the problems. They don't need yeah. us. They need they engineers. They don't need the band-aid solution. Yeah, and, I've never, and that was many, many years ago. Um, so, you know, whenever I see solutions like this for, for clean water, I always think, and I, it's, it's still an issue in certain areas. Mm. We take it so for granted and... You know, we even take our lovely clean water and in the office and we filter it even more and, yeah. you know. And, and then spit it out when we think it tastes a little bit funny. Yeah, we've, 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 we've very connoisseur-like um, to waters in our office. It's really very funny. But, um, you know, wonderfully indulgent, you know, and these people have very polluted water that they get sick from. There's things like cholera, et cetera, that kills. Mm. So um, anyway, interesting to hear the Sun Saluda interview. Stick around. We will be back in a couple of minutes. And which reminds me, we probably should change the format of our ads one of these days. So if you've still been listening to our ads, we appreciate it. Um, But we we will do something with them one of these days. So uh, we'll be back after this break. 
The It's a Monkey podcast is brought to you by CheckDog. Use CheckDog to easily review and monitor your website for spelling errors, broken links, and broken images, all with the push of one button. CheckDog can also automatically monitor your website and notify you of newly introduced spelling errors. Go to checkdog.com forward slash podcast to receive 50% off your first month subscription. Checkdog.com, helping the world's leading websites keep their content error free. Welcome back to It's a Monkey Podcast. Today you're listening to episode 51. This is Chelsea Plowright, uh, co-hosting on the podcast today, and I'm back and, and happy to have Eden Full on the other end of the line. Eden Full is the co-founder and CEO of Sun Saluta, which is a gravity-powered device that helps solar panels to follow the sun. Eden, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Chelsea. Our pleasure. Eden, tell us a little bit about Sun Saluta and um, go right back to the beginning because, you know, you're a young in- engineer, uh, um, a student at Princeton, and um, it's quite astonishing um, what, you've, what you've developed um, at such a young age. Yeah, so um, Sun Saluta for me started out as a high school pre- uh, research project, uh, maybe five, six years ago now. And, um, you know, since childhood, I've been very interested in renewable energy. Um, I used to build uh, desktop solar cars, and I was really enthralled by just this concept of solar energy, that you could produce electricity from the power of the sun. And, you know, as I did more research into solar energy, I realized that, you know, a lot of solar panels out there aren't maximizing their potential simply because they're not directly faced towards the sun at all periods during the day. And typically, a lot of these solar panels will uh, be rotated by these motorized systems so that they're following the sun at every point during the day. And part of my research at the time entailed trying to find a non-motorized way to do that. Mm -hmm. And as I exhibited my research project at a science fair, someone actually came up to me and commented just, you know, if your device isn't using any electricity, it looks like a very simple mechanism. Why not try and deploy it in the developing world? And that was kind of when a light bulb really went off in my head for me. And I realized that, you know, perhaps instead of academic research, uh, the sun saluter or what was initially the concept for the sun saluter at the time would be better suited for, you know, people who really are interested in solar energy um, and are in need of optimizing that energy collection, you know, every single day because they need to be able to get Mm -hmm. as much out of those panels as they can so they can charge cell phones, lanterns, batteries, radios. um, And, you know, they they very much need that electricity. So, I started uh, contacting as many people as I could, you know, professors, nonprofits, friends of friends of friends, anyone that I knew that was working on energy in the in the, in the developing world. And uh, you know, eventually, I got connected with a few communities that would be interested in piloting the technology. So Sun Saluter has really grown since that initial pilot project uh, when I was a first year student in university. Um, I. In the middle of my second and third years of university, I actually took two years off to receive a fellowship called the Teal Fellowship um, to, to, to take t- some time off of university and focus on building out the Sun Saluter full time. So now uh, we've actually deployed units in 14 different countries. And, uh, you know, um, we have a team of five people. Our manufacturing headquarters is in Bangalore, India. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're a, we're a U.S. recognized 501c3 nonprofit <laughs> that aims to empower local entrepreneurs to build their own for profit enterprises in the developing countries that we work in. So uh, things have really grown since this uh, initial project, since this initial research project. And I'm, I'm really grateful for all the support I've gotten along the way. Yeah, I mean, it looks like you've come a very long way. I was recently reading an article on the climate group and it looks like um, you've been partnering with, uh, is it Bijili, Clean Energy for All? Is that um, the... Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, so uh, the Billie Initiative is, uh, is run by the Climate Group, and their goal within the next two years is to try and expand the reach of clean energy in India as much as possible. And so they're supporting a number of different initiatives. A lot of them have to do with energy. A lot of them are specifically in solar, um, and, and most of them are, you know, Indian organizations, uh, you know, that are very grassroots. And, uh, you know, we, we've been selected as one of the organizations to receive some grant funding, as well as, you know, everything that comes with it. So mentorship, uh, you know, partnership opportunities, and, and a little bit of publicity. So it's very exciting for us. Fantastic. I mean, how, what is the main source of energy in India? I mean, is it fossil fuel? Is it, um, I mean, in Australia, I believe it is um, coal. Um, what is it in, in India? Yeah, I think so. A lot of non-renewable energy sources are still the bulk of what runs India. Mm -hmm. And I think, though, that part of the problem is, uh, you know, so much of um, India is still off-grid. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, simply, you know, they just they've never even gotten connectivity to electricity in the first place. The yeah. government just hasn't built the infrastructure for some of these more remote areas. And so a lot of the organizations that have been part of this climate group initiative and Sunsaluter, like our goal is to try and go into some of these places and introduce them to clean energy right from the get-go mm. so that they're completely bypassing this step of, you know, using dirty fossil fuels or kerosene or, or any any of those kinds of uh, non-renewable energy sources. Like, we want them to make that leapfrog mm. all the way to starting off with clean energy yeah. so that once they start to understand the value of energy and the value of sustainability, then they're going to pursue it, um, you know, in, in a much more environmentally friendly way than if they started off with something else. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let's just pull back a little bit because our listeners are probably not entirely aware of how Sun Saluter solar panels work. So essentially what happens is um, bottles full of water attached to a solar panel with a counterweight to the other side is that correct yes so the intention of the sun saluter is the design is supposed to be as intuitive and easy to maintain and, and cost effective as possible yeah. so we really literally took materials that are found in like pretty much any developing country village and just we thought well what can we make and assemble using all of these materials that you can find in any anyone's house mm. um, and the sun saluter so is consequently made up of you know pop bottles or jerry cans or a container full of water um, you know and recycled metal or bamboo or wood and you can assemble the, the core design concepts are the same but the ways in which you can assemble the uh, the mechanism uh, using different materials that's the only thing that really changes but like the core concept of putting your solar panel on a rotating frame and allowing it to move to follow the sun using a weight imbalance of a water container on one side of the solar panel, that concept is still the same. And, uh, you know, we've, we've gotten a lot of feedback from end users over the years mm. on how to make the sun saluter better, cheaper, more cost-effective, easier to understand. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've, we must have iterated on, on the design, like, you know, 60 70 times to right. like little iterations here and there yeah. just to, to continue to make it better and better and that brings me to my next point i mean in terms of scaling how do you ensure that um <clears throat> the the sun saluters are, are put together the correct way i mean you must have um, it says here you've, you've got sun saluters in, in places like tanzania tanzania kenya do you have to physically go to those countries and show the communities how to assemble a sun saluter or do you have, you know, people within these these communities that can communicate how to to put a sun saluter together? Yeah, so initially when I was doing the initial few pilot projects, I did have to physically go to all those locations. Mm. However, um, it's gotten much better over time. You know, now we have local representatives in all of these different countries. We're in 14 countries now uh, and counting. You know, we have a couple <laughs> that are still in discussion. Yeah. Um, but like and in at least, uh, you know, in every single one of these countries, we at least have one or two team members who have been trained to 
properly construct a sans saluter. Mm -hmm. And so they'll be able to provide guidance to anyone else that decides to to build the system. And right. you know, we've we've gotten a lot of feedback over time. Like we've pretty much there's like we've anticipated every possible scenario for mm. by, by now that someone has really you know could possibly go wrong yeah. to assemble the sun saluter and so we've assembled like a frequently asked questions you know section in our like and we have a little visual guide on how to put together a sun saluter so like you know if you accidentally made this mistake <laughs> like it's probably because of this like yeah. we've uh, we've kind of got like a little table that Almost shows like you all Ikea. the possible things ikea instruction yeah, manual yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly i mean i guess you could get over the um, translation hurdles by visuals and um and i guess if you do have people um representing sun saluted to help um, and they probably i think that's a great way to have people within the community that understand how the community functions and um the best way to um you know, uh, teach those particular communities um, how to install the Sun Saluter and how it may work best for their particular area. Um, and I think that's I think that's really fantastic. Uh, how many Sun Saluters have been built to date? Do you know? Um, I think we've got I think over a hundred and ten in the field now, and uh, so the, you know we're 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 definitely growing. Um, I think especially with uh with the climate group we're hoping to get another uh, couple hundred out in the field uh, over the next year or so and i think um you know as we as we start to develop more partnerships uh you know things are really going to scale very quickly and very exponentially soon mm. i often hear with um with soul energy there's sort of like um two minds because the amount of energy required to to build a solar panel often outweighs the amount of energy it produces within its life cycle. How long does the sun saluter last for? So the sun saluter can last pretty much forever, probably <laughs> as long or if not longer than the actual solar panel itself, which is estimated to be like 30 years, probably right. less to be realistic. Um, but, you know, I think... The whole goal of a sun saluter is to continue to make solar energy more and more affordable mm -hmm. uh, to, to, you know, increase and, and really make the most of everything that we're, we're getting, right? So if you have the solar panel that's supposed to be able to generate a certain amount of electricity, it's kind of silly just to leave it stationary at one angle so it's not being optimized. It mm -hmm. makes sense if at a certain scale that the solar panel is rotating and following the sun so that from east to west at every hour during the day it's also generating you know exactly as much as it was predicted to generate by the manufacturer mm -hmm. and i mean is there any um is there any plan to introduce these to not necessarily third world countries but you know, the, uh, in Australia, I'd love to be able to see um, something affordable um, that you can essentially just put in your backyard. My partner's father has um, solar powers, solar panels installed on his uh, property, and he's found now that he actually receives money back from the government just because it goes into the grid, and um, and it pays for his whole energy bill, and he's actually receiving um, revenue from having these solar panels on his roof. So do you have any plans to make it uh, not necessarily just in the third world countries, but bring it into sort of the urbanized uh, cities and, um, and things like that? I think one step at a time, um, yeah. you know, our area of expertise and my personal area of interest is still in the developing world. I think mm. we've got a lot of great companies who are doing work in, you know, the domestic solar industry. And I think yeah. um, not enough companies doing innovative things in the developing world. So that's yeah. where my personal interest in is, is helping, you know, a, a market that isn't getting as much innovation as it should be. Mm. Um, but, you know, that being said, who knows what the future holds? I, I think I'm definitely open to collaborations and partnerships with uh, with anyone who might be interested in deploying sun saluters on a commercial level, you know, domestically. Yeah, and um, as a as a young female engineer, I mean, what what's the journey been like? I mean, what are the biggest hurdles that you've um, had to to get over? And I understand the highs are really high, the lows are really low. Um, what have your been your biggest challenges with developing sun saluter? I think it can be hard to get people to take you seriously sometimes. <laughs> yeah. um, 
So I think the only real solution I've discovered to getting around that is yeah. to really appearing off right from the get-go that you know exactly what you're talking about, right? Mm. Um, it means sometimes doing a little more due diligence before meetings so sure. that you come in with a strong background so that no one can question you because yeah. you know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, it means that you've done your research on the person that you're talking to. Mm -hmm. um, it means that, you know, sometimes you just have to hustle for a little bit longer before anyone's willing to pay attention. Yeah. I think, though, that this, you know, this climate of entrepreneurship is changing. Uh, you know, more and more young people are starting to do interesting things. And I think, um, you know, there are definitely going to be changes in the mindset um, from the previous generation to our generation uh, where, you know, the idea of taking risks and doing things when you're younger uh, won't seem so absurd anymore. And I think mm. uh, that's definitely really exciting to be a part of that change. I mean, what did your peers say when you said, all right, I'm taking some time off for uni and I'm going to go venture off into a, as an entrepreneur and, and make this thing happen? What was, <laughs> what was that like? Um, I think people understood. For mm. me, though, um, I've been working on Sun Saluter for a long time, so I don't think it really came as a surprise to anyone um, in terms of they expected that I would do it. But whether or not it's something that my peers would have done as well, I think it really depends on the person. Um, you know, uh, I think definitely there are still a lot of people in our in our generation that are a little afraid to take risks. They're mm. looking for more stability. And, um, you know, for, for a lot of people, entrepreneurship, you know, a lot of people are starting to talk about it, but it's still, it's still a very new thing. And, mm. uh, you know, people like to feel like they, they really have all of their ducks in a row before they start something. But unfortunately, yeah. most of the time, you're not going to have all your ducks in a row. It's just about, you know, knowing where the next step is and then being willing to take that step, even though you don't know what the one is coming after it. Yeah, sure. And, and following on from that, I mean, what would be your advice to people that are looking at um, doing something similar and going out on their own and just tackling a project? Yeah, I think... Um, a couple pieces of advice. Um, I would, if you don't have a good idea yet, but you want to expose yourself to potentially good ideas, um, I would say get an apprenticeship or, you know, put yourself in a real world working environment. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily mean, you know, a really cheesy internship where you're pushing papers from nine to five. I mean, when you, uh, if you're a technical person, you're literally apprenticing under an engineer, you know, you're doing all of the hands-on nitty gritty work that gives you a strong understanding of, you know, both in engineering and in software, um, of, of just what it really takes to build a product. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, so I think this is a very it, it's a, it's it's distinct from doing an internship. I think in an internship, you know, you're sort of given very basic tasks, and then as you familiarize yourself with the industry, you sort of work your way up. But I think an an apprenticeship is when you're someone who's someone else's right hand person. Mm. You know, like you're literally doing the same task they are. You're a little in over your head, but I think that's what gives you the kind of exposure to a technical environment where you can develop skills and as well understand problems in that industry that you can solve. Mm. And so I think getting an apprenticeship, paid or unpaid, part-time or full-time, it doesn't matter, but giving yourself that exposure to an environment outside of, you know, school, outside of, you know, pushing papers as an intern and yeah. really, you know, exposing yourself to the real world. I think that's really important to, to get your foot in the door and then to feel like you have the confidence and the expertise to be able to start something. Mm. Um, and of course, I think once you have a really compelling idea, uh, you know, make sure that you validate it. And of course, I think a lot of, you know, startup circles, they'll always say, you know, build an MVP, fail hard, fail fast, that kind of thing. But yeah. it really is true. You know, like, I think if you can get one customer, one paying customer to pre-order your product, um, who isn't your mom, like an outside <laughs> non-family person, like, then you know you're onto something, right? Yeah. If someone's willing to pay real money, don't build anything until someone has actually said, yes, mm. I would take out my checkbook and, and write 
you know, a, a, some, a check to you just because I think what you're working on is so compelling and genuinely solves the problem in my life. Yeah, right. I mean, I have so much to say about in in Australia. We we have apprenticeships, but I believe it's a little bit different. Um, we also have internships at our company, and nine times mm. out of ten, I mean, I was an intern myself at this company, and I have learned copious amounts in comparison to my degree. I have just learned so much more, and it's very valid oh, yeah. to say, just get out there and do it. As a as I as I was a graphic designer, I I left my degree with with nothing and and if I had just gone out there during study and, and just done it and just um, approached companies and said hey I want to redesign your menu it just gets you so much yeah. further yeah exactly and then when you've graduated if you had been doing it during school then you'll have this portfolio of projects that you've already done so that you know by the time you know you're compared to other you know freshly graduated uh, design students you have a portfolio you've been already working just like other designers you know who've been working probably for two to three years have Absolutely. and I think it makes you much more competitive that being said you'll also be able to you know if at any point in time like design something just because you've you you've you know like the skill set you have familiarity with all the software in the industry and like I think there are a lot of those things that just academic institutions are very you know very removed from mm -hmm. reality in mm -hmm. that way Eden it's been an absolute pleasure and inspiration to speak with you I feel absolutely pumped after this interview I feel like I can go tackle the world <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. Um, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I think I'm I'm still learning a lot myself, but I'm I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be able to share what I've learned so far. And uh, you know, maybe another time you, we'll we'll check in a few years later, and it'll be different too. Yeah, I'm hoping to have my sun saluter in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. All right, thanks, Aiden. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much, Chelsea. All right, bye. Bye. The It's a Monkey podcast is brought to you by ManageFlitter. With ManageFlitter, you can easily find out who isn't following you back, find new people to follow, track keywords on Twitter, and schedule tweets for the most appropriate times. Tweet code MONKEY2 at ManageFlitter to receive a one-month free budgie account. Chelsea Sun Saluta. Um interesting woman and clearly super super smart um and you know solving a big two big problems mm. let alone one big problem mm, two birds and one stone two birds with one stone um and it's so easy for us in the developed world to to just y you know not understand the scale the scale of the problem yeah i mean speaking about the countries and saying you know chelsea some of these people just, they don't even have access to electricity. And I thought, gosh, for some reason I had ingrained in my, my sort of mind that it was a choice and it's not there. It's, they don't even have access to electricity in the first place. So not only is it for us, it's a choice to have green energy or, or um, you know, the generic sort of energy which we're provided on the grid. But for them, they just, they've never had electricity. So I think that was really wonderful. You know, and um, in, in a previous life, I've mentioned a few times, I worked at a radio station, terrific radio station in Johannesburg, South Africa, called um, 702 Talk Radio, still exists, still doing very, very well. And I remember we, um, they, they would have a lot of uh, philanthropical and charity campaigns, which is one of the reasons, you know, I inspired for us internally, we do a lot of charity campaigns and fundraising and tie it into exercise and things like that. And one of my inspirations was what I experienced there. And... Um, they had a, and they would tie their listeners in with it, which was always really nice. So they would match different campaigns and get their listeners involved. And then they still do it. One of the campaigns they had was for a barrel that you could fill up with water and you could roll it very easily. So it would have, it would just have a, a handle that you would just roll it. And one mm. of the reasons was because in the rural areas, a lot of people would spend most of their life walking to and from water sources and they would carry this water on their head in buckets um, so it was very very difficult for them mm. to um, carry 
a decent amount of water. So someone came up with a terrific solution of a barrel that could be rolled very easily mm. and you could fit a lot more water so they would get half their day back yeah, wow. because they could carry more water. Phenomenal. And, um, you know, so these simple solutions that, 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 you know, there's still a lot of people in the world without this access, you know, but um, it's, it's, it's great that there's someone so smart like like Eden, that's addressing a problem that's not, you know, that's not as sexy as I don't know, you know, ride delivery in New York or something. Yeah. Not yeah. not to criticize anyone's you know choice of projects, but these are are wonderful. And she even said herself, I said, look, is there any plans to sort of branch out into a more commercial slash urban um, market? And she said, no, I, I really want to focus on the developing countries. I thought that was really honourable because there is like a lot of temptation into to monetizing and going global. Sure, um, sure, and and it's you know money makes our world go round, and it's an ex- these all these cities we live in are very expensive cities, and you know not for profit to make the numbers work is hard. I see she's got some terrific support though. Mm. Um, I'll just bring up her list of supporters um, over here, but even the Peter Thiel, who's a, a very famous very successful entrepreneur he famously um, was the one of the first investors in facebook with a five hundred thousand dollar check he's one of um he was one of the paypal mafia they call the paypal mafia <laughs> elon musk is another one of the paypal mafia yeah yeah um, reed hoffman started linkedin paypal mafia so there's this whole group of guys that and they are all guys that from the um paypal that went on to great success and peter Thiel is very very he's just written a great book called from zero to one that i've just ordered that's uh, supposed to be fantastic he's a very robust thinker anyway i see that the the teal foundation which is obviously peter Thiel's, is a supporter of sun saluda um and a couple of other foundations siemens um rolex awards for enterprise um she's got great press new york times npr mashable so mm. um you know it's getting behind her but it's 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 really terrific and um I, i've obviously particularly got a soft spot for africa they're fantastic people um that have had a rough lot i'm generalizing like mad um africa's many many different countries but uh, to a lot of people outside africa often it gets generalized as africa mm. um mm. But in my, you know, I'm more familiar with Southern Africa, and the people are fantastic, and um, they've they've had a rough ride. And yeah. uh, anything that makes their life easier um, is terrific. Um, so, is is Eden back at university now? Um, it's a good question. Um, I believe she she may be completing her her university degree. Um, I I'm not sure if I asked her that. Um, um, she's after taking gap years as part of the Theo Fellowship's inaugural class. Okay, so she was part of the Theo Fellow. The, uh, if I'm correct, the Theo Fellowship is something quite controversial where Peter Thiel um, offers money to very smart people to drop out of university. Oh, really? Uh, which is his view, you know, it's one of the schools of thought is really smart people just want to get on with it yeah. and they're much better off getting on with it than being at university. And, yeah. of course, the famous entrepreneurs of Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, Michael Dell, you know, a lot of different entrepreneurs have dropped out. Richard Branson, I think. I don't even think he went to university. Well, I stand to be corrected, though. Um, there's a famous English guy called Felix Dennis, passed away earlier this year, no university. So there is a strong school of thought, but there's also a lot of successful entrepreneurs that that did go to you. So don't drop out of university <laughs> yet. <laughs> um, while you're saying this, I'm thinking, I wonder if I should have gone to university. <laughs> but look, I mean, I think there's something to say that a university degree um, illustrates to a lot of potential employers that you can stick to something and it's hard. It's not easy going to university in some sense. I mean, you may not feel as that you're getting a lot out of it, but you're committed and you have to go in every single, every single lecture. You have to turn up, you have to submit work and that's in, in itself a very, very valuable lesson. Absolutely, that level of commitment, that level of focus. I mean, in my ex- experience, I spent a lot of time at university and, um, and I even lectured at university. 
I think it, it, it really, it's, it's such an individual journey, you know, I think, but if you want to be an entrepreneur and a tech entrepreneur, my advice, if anyone would ask me, is get a degree, but get it really quick. Get it as fast as you can. Do summer school, whatever. In two years, three years, in, out, done. Move on. Mm. That's what I would, you know, because definitely the learning only starts outside. And one of the problems with entrepreneurship and universities is universities teach you critical thinking. They teach you analysis. They teach you research. They teach you all these wonderful skills. But what it does is it teaches you to be over-analytical and over-reflective, which is not useful in the entrepreneurial world. And as an entrepreneur, you actually have to undo that. I've got some friends that are fantastic, um, you know, um, at university and they were fantastic at at their jobs but when they went down the entrepreneurial route um, the over analysis is just just bogged them down and they couldn't get you know part of being an entrepreneur is the momentum and university Mm. doesn't really sort of teach the momentum it teaches you rigor and in entrepreneurship the art is knowing when to be rigorous and when to be scrappy and just keep it going. Yeah. You know, so um, I'd be interested to, to um, know her opinion on the Thiel Fellowship, which I see that. Um, so she studied, oh, it says she's a senior now in the mechanical engineering at Princeton University. Okay. All right. So she's um, continuing that. I mean, um, Michael Arrington, or no, Jason Calacanis. And the famous, uh, you know, tech journalists and tech entrepreneurs, he says that if entrepreneurs want to go to university, they should try get into the top schools, the Berkeley, Stanford, etc. And once they're in, do a semester and drop out. Because <laughs> that way you've said to the world, well, I'm smart enough to get in. Yeah, yeah. But now I'm getting on with it. And, and Mark Zuckerberg on his Facebook profile says, it's, it's went to Harvard University. And yeah, he did. Yeah. He just didn't complete it. Yeah. And I mean, you're only paying for that semester, I guess, so... Saving a hell of a lot of money. Yep, yep. No, it's uh, it's so it's it's. But I think these days you can get educated, and the main thing is just get educated. University on the job, you know, our industry. Uh, there's lots of ways to be educated. If you want to be a doctor and something different, you know, or or a, a lawyer or something like that. But um, anyway, I think we've we're done for episode fifty-one. What do you say? Yep. I agree. Um, we'll be back in two weeks or so with another interview, some more news. Please share this podcast and particularly let us know if it – oh, and of course, if you're listening, follow Chelsea on Twitter. She doesn't have many Twitter followers. <laughs> <laughs> Look, give me another 20 years and then we'll be even. Oh, come on. I, you know, you've got – how many? 600 followers. Not, not much. Yeah. I did actually have a look at my stats the other day and I'm following a lot more than I think you're following, following 2,000 and you have 600 so followers. Somebody's obviously not counting. <laughs> Someone hasn't look, been I've got to know, be, checking in. I've got to be better at you than at something. And I don't know how much longer my Twitter account. I think, I've, I mean, I've got 4,000, but... You know, I don't know. You're going to be young and famous through this podcast soon. I'm old and unfamous. If you're listening, follow me. What's your Twitter handle? Chelsea P. Chelsea P. But my name is not conventional. It's C-H-E-L-C-I-E. P. Your parents cursed you with that unconventional name because it turned you into an unconventional person, right? You know how people become their names? Well, that's why I'm so special. Okay, that's what it is, right? Yep. Um, thanks everyone for listening Uh, thank you for listening tell your friends about it Um, we'll have some more tech news in episode 52 this has been episode 51 next episode will be coming to you from December um, the final month of 2014 isn't that nuts Mm -hmm. that just went like oh within a heartbeat I read an interesting article about time and about how time works and traveling with the speed of light and it's really trippy we should get some some sort of phd guru to because it's really interesting stuff like if you had an identical twin right well you you actually do have a twin but mm. let's so let's take your brother yeah and if he traveled at the speed of light to the sun and back he would come back older than you or younger than you one of the two it bends time um then what happens to our cells and our DNA? These are all questions you'll be asking on the interview. 
in the, in the next interview of the <laughs> right. the person you're going to organize to discuss all these trippy things about right. time because apparently there's some new discoveries about the universe and you know all that exciting stuff which is quite interesting but yeah, um, yeah I, I um will will try track someone down and we're always looking for interesting people to interview if you interesting and you want to be interviewed let us know if you're not don't <laughs> yeah if you know someone interesting um and we would have a very wide berth as long as it's related to technology um we always um we're always happy to chat and uh, we particularly like interesting startups and um <laughs> 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 i'm sorry to be boring you you know chelsea, right. j- chelsea just wrap uh, it up <laughs> chelsea just just gave a massive yawn <laughs> and i i did it against the direction of the microphone thinking i don't want this to be recorded <laughs> Look, eventually, eventually it would be cool to, and we've experiment, we've experimented with it to record, and it, it comes out pretty well to put a YouTube version, and they can actually see us. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to eventually do it live as well, so the, and also have people the ability to Skype in with questions. That would be incredible. So they can sort of after the story, we can take a question and they can comment and they can we can patch them in on air. They're probably going to back me up with all the, probably the things that you say. It's fine. I I don't mind. <laughs> I don't mind. So um, thanks for listening. I'm going to shut up now. Otherwise, Chelsea's going to fall asleep. And we'll catch you in two weeks on the It's a Monkey podcast. See you next time. See ya. Thank <laughs> you.